You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. We're ready to uh, do more, right? You may need to take off your coats and your hats because God's going to release a fire this morning. And uh, so get ready. Get ready. I decided to get ahead of the game and take mine off. We're going to talk about if this is God. And uh, there's a lot going on in our lives, in our country, in the world. There's a lot. But we're going to talk about what it looks like if this is God. Um, So let me pray for us. Father, we just thank you that uh, you are God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that dwells in us. We thank you for Jesus Christ that died for us. God, we thank you that you are the fire that burns within us. And we thank you, Lord, that you are stoking your fire in us in this hour and that the holy flames will uh, begin to emerge from our mouths, from our eyes, from our ears, from our hands, that we will become a consuming fire. And I forget who said it, that they would set themselves on fire so everyone can come and watch you burn through them. Lord, that's what we're wanting. Set us on fire today. We thank you for the worship and how you have just opened up uh, so many things for us to be able to see and hear and understand. So Lord, send your fire. Send your fire. Amen. Okay, last week we talked about the vastness of possibilities, and I just want to talk about this a little bit more in the terms of if this is God. Um, We're going to start with 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 12. We're going to do a lot of reading, so uh, get ready. Get ready. The Word of God is alive itself. We can stand up every morning and just read it out loud and... uh, That will light the flame for sure. So 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 9. This is the word that the Lord gave me for 2012. This is the word, uh, 12, 21. This is the word that I am holding on to in order for us to be able to understand, see, and recognize the possibilities of God. It says, but it is written. Say, it is written. God has written it down for us, right? He's written it so we can understand what he's saying to us. I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. We love him, right? We love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of of man except the spirit of man, which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. We do not have the spirit of the world. Say, I don't have that. 
I ain't got that. It's not on me. I don't have it. I just don't have it. But the spirit who is from God, that's what we have. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Of course, Jesus Christ is what has been given to us by God. His spirit in us is what is given to us by God. And in that, we all carry it. It enables us to see, to understand, to perceive ahead of time what God has planned. We all have it. Not one of us are exempt. We all have it. We had our Daughters of Destiny retreat this weekend, and that's one of the things we worked on was what is the limiting belief that is keeping us from knowing what we have in Christ? And there are limiting beliefs. We all have them. We, we all have things that have been taught to us. We've had things that we've perceived, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But we do have things that block us from knowing the fullness of Christ in us. But God wants to evict those things. Amen. He wants to get rid of them. We may do a little class on that one day, the eviction of the lies. But it was really, really good. So we're going to kind of look at some scripture. We're going to start with Acts 5, verse 12. Hang on, guys. I'm telling you, God, yesterday morning I was getting ready for the retreat, and the Lord said, I'm going to provide an encounter to every person in that retreat. I'm like, okay, good. So what should I do? He's like, just breathe. You know, you don't have to do anything. You just do what I've given you to do, and I will do all the rest. And uh, Debbie and I had planned to do some laying on the hands and some ministry time. By the end of the retreat, God had laid hands and he had ministered, and he didn't need us to lay hands and minister because he had already done what he was going to do. And it was powerful. It was powerful. As we lean into what God wants to do, he just does it. And sometimes it's with the laying on the hand, sometimes it isn't. But there was transformation that occurred in every person who came. Transformation. So if you're interested in Daughters of Destiny, you know, you can see Deborah back there. And if you're watching Web Church online, just send, me, send us a private message and we'll be glad to get back with you on that. So Acts 5.12. And we're talking about Peter and John here. They are just having a great time releasing who God is. It says, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared to join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets, laid them on the beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. And a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Amen. amen. I mean, amen. All. <laughs> yeah, like I said last week, all is all. It's not all except, it's all. It's just all. Now let's move on to where the pressure point begins. 
Verse 21, and when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent uh, and sent to the prison to have them brought. So wait a minute. Did I miss the part? I did. I'm sorry. Um, verse 17 is where I should have started. I thought I'd already read that. Then the high priest rose up and all that were with him, uh, which was the sect a sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. So people were healed, and it made them mad. There's nothing worse than God healing a bunch of people, right? (laughs) You know, it's funny when you even think about that. And, and of course, where we are in our culture, we're like, what? Why would they be upset? Wouldn't they want everybody healed? And they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in a common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And then the second section that I just wrote, I just read, you know, they called for them to come out. They wanted to examine the apostles and the apostles were gone. And verse 22 said, uh, but when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported saying, indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened, we found no one inside. And that, of course, was a problem. That, of course, was a problem. And they go on to find the apostles preaching again. Those apostles, they just can't do what they're told by the, by the, by the men, by the men, Right. Verse 24, now when the high priest and the captain and the temples and the chief priests heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, look, the men whom you have put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. So they brought them into them and uh, they began to examine the apostles. And then they sent them out so they could have their own meeting to talk about what the heck was happening. And I, this is the verse we're going to sit on for a minute. And it's, it's verse, I believe it's verse uh, 69, I mean 39 or 38. It says, so they're, they're having this discussion. And one of them says, and now I say to you, keep away from them. He's talking about the apostles and let them alone. For if this plan or this works is of men, it will come to nothing. Right. But... If it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. And this is where I want to spend a little time. Right, the the men, the Sadducees, the sect of the Sadducees, they were examining the apostles based on a predetermined outcome. They were examining the apostles to prove that they were uh, that Jesus was false as a Messiah. That was their whole thought process. That was their goal, to prove that Jesus was not the Messiah and that what the apostles were doing would dissipate. That would go away. And what we have to understand is things that are happening within the body of Christ, outside the body of Christ, are being run through a filter 
a predetermination based on what we believe. And right now, I am not talking to the unbelievers. And if you're an unbeliever in this place, I'm praying right now that God will convict you that it's your time to encounter Jesus. If you're watching online and you've never encountered Jesus, I just ask him, encounter me, because he will encounter you and you will be able to give your heart to him. Yes. So like I said this morning, I am not talking to the unbelievers. I am talking to us, the body, yeah. the body of believers. And uh, I know that there is a great chasm, a great divide within the body. It's a great divide. I got to get rid of this mint. I'm so sorry. I can't talk and chew at the same time, apparently. There is a great divide in the body. And the thing we have to understand is Jesus is not on trial. Jesus is not on trial. He, he does not have to prove who he is. He does not. We have put God on trial. through our predetermined filters of what we expect him to do. He has not failed us. He has not done his job because he is God. And as a body of believers, we have to understand that when we're disappointed or we're discouraged or we're whatever dissing we are, that it is not God's fault. Right. He is not the one that has to answer to us for what has not occurred. That's right. And, you know, I'm just going to read this. I didn't give this to Noah to put up there. But John 14, 11, Jesus is talking to the disciples. And he says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. God has already proven himself who he is. He has already shown us and displayed to us who he is. It is our obligation, our choice, our job, whatever you want to call it, to believe who he is. And for where we struggle, he will help us through that struggle. But it's not his fault if we are struggling. Because he is our strength. He is our stronghold. He is the one that we turn to. He is the one that will help us through our struggle. He is not the cause of our struggle. We've got to learn to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. We have got to learn that Our life is an interior life with God, so we are able to live in the exterior world. That oneness with God is the thing. It is the thing. And learning how to turn inward and tap in spirit to spirit, which I talked about yesterday, is the key to us being able to defeat every darkness that comes against us. And what we are seeing is that there is a, let me think about how I'm going to say this. What we are seeing is, first of all, in general, 
there's a large portion of the body that does not believe the word of God. There's a large portion of the body that does not believe that Jesus is the only way. There is a segment of the body that doesn't believe that Jesus is who he says he is, but they are Christians. So the question is, what do they believe in if Jesus is not it? And you're like, what does that have to do with me? Because that's not me. Well, that's good. But what it has to do with us is we have to become that fine-tuned, refined believers that lean into the word, that lean into the community in order to be able to walk through the chaos that is before us. We have got to learn to lean into the word. And we have to learn to connect with Jesus in order to understand where he's taken us, in order to understand what is even facing us. You know, vast possibilities, you know, endless possibilities that he's given us, we will miss if we are not connected to him in a deep way. If we are letting the outside world so consume us that we can't think, we can't eat, we can't even sort through things. The only way to break that is through the word of God. It really is. And being in fellowship. We've got to be in fellowship. You know, that's a lot of the reason we started the web church. It's not just people streaming. It's where we can have fellowship with people who need a place to connect, who need to be part of a family. Uh, You know, when David, um, and we talked about this, I think, on our prayer call the other day, when David had lost everything in Ziglag, everything had been burned, his family had been taken, all of his possessions had been taken, he was discouraged. But what did he do? He strengthened himself in the Lord, and he said, what do I do, Lord? You are my strength. You are the one that I stand and that determines my future, that determines the plan. So he's like, what what do I do, Lord? We've got to strengthen ourselves in the word. We've got to strengthen ourselves in the presence, and we've got to strengthen ourselves in fellowship. And David went on to defeat the enemy because they captured one of the enemy's servants. And when they captured him, they did not beat him. They did not flog him. They fed him and they took care of him and said, what are we, where is your, where are the people that took everything? And they're like, your kindness has provoked me to show you where everything is. And so he continues on and they take everything and some of their men, some of David's men stayed behind. And so uh, they go, they take everything. Not only did they get what was taken, but they took everything from the enemy too. But when the men all came back together, they wanted to kick the men out that stayed behind. They wanted to accuse and say, you, weren't weak, you were so weak you couldn't go with us, so you can't have any of the, the things that we've taken back. You, you're just worth nothing. And David's like, no. 
Just because they couldn't go with us doesn't mean they're not a part of us. And God is wanting to unite his body back together. And just because people aren't where they need to be in the word doesn't mean they're not worthy of being in the body. We've all journeyed. We've all had things that we've believed, we haven't believed. There's things we've struggled with. And, and our declaration is that the body will have the holy fear of the Lord fall upon it. And there will be such a shaking and a desire to know the truth of the word, to know the fellowship of being together. You know, that's one of the things in Acts that kept saying over and over. This is Acts 2, 42. I just want to read this one thing to you. It says, and they continued steadily steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayer. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. We need the fear of the Lord to run rampant through the body of Christ. We we need that fear and trembling to get a hold of us. You know, we have painted Jesus to be this great little... um, wonderful laughing picture across the media, those type of things. And and we've made him too sterile for us. And we need that fire of the Lord to remind us the holiness of who our God is. And yes, he is our friend. He does talk to us. He, he, he walks with us. He shows up in different manifestations to us. He heals us. There's all things he does for us, but he is still holy God. And we need the fear of the Lord to run through the body. Because when we fear and have awe and respect and reverence, about the Lord, then the outside world sees not only the signs and wonders. I mean, look at this. The Sadducees, they saw them. They saw the signs and wonders, but their predetermination was that they are going to discount. They are going to, um, what do you call it when you uh, discredit who Jesus is? They're going to discredit the resurrection. They're going to discredit the fact that uh, John and Peter were broken open from jail from an angel. They're going to discredit everything because their heart is hardened. They don't have the fear of the Lord to be able to see what God is doing, to have their eyes open, to be revealed of the spirit. They don't have it. It doesn't mean they won't ever get it. It doesn't mean the people within the body who don't believe in certain things about Christ doesn't mean they won't ever. If we're having a reformation and a revival and all this that God has declared over us, that means that people's eyes are going to be opened. Their ears are going to hear. Their hearts are going to be able to receive what Christ has prepared for them. So yes, we must guard our position. We must hold our line. We must stand on what the word says. But we also have to pray and declare and intercede for those 
that God is going to bring in, for those that God's going to awaken. Even as uh, Deborah shared, you know, this weekend, there was something hidden in her since she was five years old, and God evicted it. Think about that. Think about the eyes that are closed that God's going to open. And we're going to see family that never believed come to believe. We're going to see our neighbor that has the sign in their yard exactly opposite of our sign (laughs) that's going to get their sign up and get one like ours that says Jesus is king, right? I mean, we're going to see things that we've never seen, but we have got at us individually because we know we can only change ourselves, right? right? We are the only ones we can fix. Now, husbands and wives, just declare that out loud. <laughs> Especially wives. <laughs> because we want to fix other people, but honestly, we're it. You know, our hula hoop, we're the only one that fits in it. And if we have all this stuff in there that keeps us from being mobile with our hula hoop, then God has to get it out so, so we can move freely. So we are the only ones we can fix. But just think about this. As I fix me, and as you fix you, and you fix yeah. you, the body is strengthened. The body is able to move in much more uh, uh, in sync with God in what his purposes are. The body is able to do the things that he's called us to do without getting stuck because one piece of the body isn't working properly. So what we have to understand is that it sounds so simple, doesn't it? That God is God. (laughs) We understand that. We're here because God is God. We worship and preach and give testimonies for two hours because God is God, right? Because we want more of God. But what we have to understand is the outside world that is not believing does not believe that God is God. Some of the inside world of the body does not believe that God is God. But that doesn't stop us from being faithful, from being reverent, from being respectful, from being honoring, and from finding our strength, our identity, our core from the life of Christ in us. And stewarding that with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul. We've got to steward what God's given us so it makes room for more. We want the more of God. All of us want the more of God. We wouldn't sit here if we didn't want the more of God. And God wants to give us the more. But sometimes we just have to make room for that more. And that room comes through pressing into his word. Staying in fellowship. And setting aside that time of oneness with him. And like I said, it seems so simple, but, you know, the enemy is going to do everything he can to distract us from doing those things. Everything he can. Um, Jeremiah 9, I just want to read this scripture to us. 23 through 24, it says, thus says the Lord, let man, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. 
nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories, glories in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and the righteousness on this earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Amen? Amen. So let's stand. I want to pray over us. I'm going to pray for a holy fear to really fall on us. And um, if you don't want it, you can sit back down. You know, it's okay. You know, <laughs> whatever we put out there, it, it's a choice. You can have it. You cannot have it. But, um, you know, I don't know what the holy, the holy fear is going to look like in this season, but there is one being released. So, Father, we just thank you that... <sighs> You are not on trial here. You are not on trial. You are our just judge. And God, I am asking you to send a holy fire through your body. Every person, every child that declares you as Lord, send a holy fire a fire of reverence, a fire of fear, a fire of honor, where, where we relate to you, but we don't dismiss you, that we revere your word, that we seek after your presence, that all you have for us, we will be open to receiving that you'll burn away those things that do not belong and, and refill us with a flaming fire. Whew, Jesus, we want the fire that burns in us. We want to be flamethrowers for you, not to destroy and kill, but to let the glory of the Lord be seen. God, we want a fire to come across your body where every lie that has been so intrinsically set within us will be burnt to a crisp. There will be not even an ash left. And God, we're just asking for your Holy Spirit to send a refinement and a refreshment as you burn those things away, that the truth will be set in, that the lies will be uh, evicted, that we will be so on fire for you. It's just a fire word this morning, God. It's a fire word, and we want the fire. Say, I want the fire, Lord. I want the fire. Fill me with your fire. We just lose that Holy Spirit fire over us, Lord, that, that we will not be able to be extinguished. Yeah, God, just pour it out, Lord, inside out. Every finger, every toe, the hair on our head, just stand it straight up on fire, God. Thank you, God, for your eternal, your internal fire, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Give us more. Give us more. Lord, I was just seeing this picture of quaking and thinking about the Quakers 
and, and them just quaking in your presence, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We just repent if we've made you the vanilla Jesus. And Lord, we just know that you are the fire. You're the fire for us, Lord. Yeah, just send your fire, God. Send us more. The rain of your fire, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Ooh, Alaska, Alaska. Ooh. <laughs> yes, God. Thank you, God. Ooh. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the more. What I see is just the Lord just touching, touching, touching certain places, um, just touching, touching, touching. And I feel like if there's a hesitancy or a uh, uncertainty, um, that you ought to just stick out your hands and and just let Him pour the fire the way He wants to pour it. Thank you, God. See that fire of the throne room from heaven. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, God. And in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above it the seraphim. Each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and two he flew. And one cried to the other, saying, Holy, 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 holy is our Lord God Almighty, and the whole earth is full of his glory. Thank you, Jesus. Holy, holy, holy God. Holy, holy, holy are you, God. Holy, holy, holy. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your holy fire. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, that uh, when we ask, we receive. And, And we have asked you to just pour fire in us, through us, on us, and for us. So, Lord, we thank you that we go out in flames. We go out in flames. We go out in flames for you, God. Because <laughs> you have done a good work in us today. And there will be fruit from this work as we go. And we just bless and honor you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. You are holy, 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 Jesus. Oh, let's get it done. We just thank you, Jesus. And all his people said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.